Episode 69 of the Online Chicken School Podcast. Today we're talking about high-tech chicken nuggets, the best coop bedding, and should chickens and ducks live together? It's time for the Online Chicken School Podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hi, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. It doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. All right, so I think it was the last episode we talked about hatching baby chicks and that I was finally ready to do that again. Right. And now this last week or so, I've been really wanting to get some new chicks, new breeds of chicks just for us. Is that that sound crazy? Yes, actually it does. <laughs> I kind of thought so. I keep smacking myself going, why are you doing this? We're down to three coops of chickens and it's lovely and it doesn't take three hours to feed and water and move them and check them. And now I want to add a bunch more birds. Well, because we hatch out baby chicks and sell them, mm-hmm. you can't have a mixed flock in a coop. Right. They have to be all one breed together or you're going to end up with some unintentional hybrids Yeah. or what we call mutts. That would not be good for our sales. <laughs> yeah. So, but you always like the idea of just seeing a bunch of different breeds running around together. That's kind of what I had envisioned when we first got chickens is we're just going to have hens. No roosters waking me up at four o'clock. Uh, and a bunch of different colors and breeds and sizes just running around frolicking. And that happened at the beginning and then not so much. No, but as we were talking about it, I said, well, you know, there's no reason we couldn't have a coop that has a mixed flock in it. And those would just be layers. Mm -hmm. You know, we can have the other coops that are for the breeders, but we can have a coop that's just for some laying hens that are different breeds that you can let out and go, oh, look at the pretty mixed birds running around. That's true. And so that's kind of what we're thinking about doing because you get in those times a year where we are hatching out every fertilized egg we get and then my refrigerator's bare. I have none for us to eat. My parents have none. Your parents have none. Our neighbors are asking us for eggs. So this would kind of help solve that problem as well, where we can keep the breeding end going, but still have enough eggs for ourselves and our friends and family. Yes. But as with everything that happens in this household, <laughs> what sounds like a simple idea turns into a major project. Because once you start looking at all the different breeds you might want, Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of other factors that start coming into play. Right. I was looking at what breeds I thought were colorful and pretty, but then you got to look at, can they survive the Florida heat? What size eggs do they lay? How many eggs do they lay? (laughs) And you start looking at these things and go, well, I've always wanted bantam chickens. I just think they're adorable, but... They lay really, really tiny eggs. So if you have a layer flock, are those really going to be the eggs that you want? I mean, they're adorable and they're cute to look at, but I don't know. How important is egg production? Yeah, because you, I mean, really you're saying, I want some pretty birds running around the yard. That's why you want to chase this idea. Uh Uh-huh. 
But if you pick out a bunch of birds, if they hardly lay any eggs at all, or they're known for being broody a lot of the time, Mm. I mean, is that important? So I'm going through looking at all these different breeds, and I make a list, and I give it to you, and I'm like, hey, what do you think of these? And you're like, they're almost all the same color. (laughs) They're all black and white. For instance, we have the barred rocks, but Mm -hmm. then you also have silver penciled rocks. Yes. They're both black and white, but the layout of the black and white is different. Well, yeah, that silver penciled rock was on my list. I thought that was a really cool looking feather pattern. And then I kind of like the silver laced Wyandotte, but I said, we've got gold lace Wyandotte. How about we do like a speckled Sussex instead? They look nothing alike, but that's my mindset. I'm just all over the place with this. Let's see. We had the... um Oh, what were the Sussex that we had? The light Sussex. The light Sussex we had. We liked the look of those, but the reason you didn't want to hang on to them is because they didn't lay a lot of eggs. That's true. Well, and just when you think that trying to pick which birds you want is the challenge, Mm -hmm. then you got to figure out where the heck am I going to get all these birds from? Sure. Because if you're going to raise them together to be in a coop together, you want them at the same time. You don't want to get one breed now and then one a month later and one a month after that. You want to get them all at the same time so you can raise them to be in a coop together. Right. But you're not going to be able to find, you know, every time you add another breed onto the list, mm-hmm. it gets harder to find those locally. If you said, I want one breed, right. you can find a local breeder. If I want two specific breeds, well, maybe still. Once you get to like three or four breeds, the odds of you finding a local breeder who has all four of those and they're available is pretty slim. Well, what's that one? The silver, silver spangled, was it Appenzeller Spitzhauben? Spitzhauben. Sounds German, but I believe it's Dutch if I remember right. Well, see, there's my heritage. Yes. Finally, a breed for me. Yes, they say it's a really flighty bird that makes a lot of noise and doesn't make sense all the time. (laughs) We're cousins. That is a really cool looking bird. We are not going to find that local. I am sorry. It's just not going to happen. So then what do you do? Well, you're pretty much left with the internet hatchery. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you can find just about anything at the internet hatcheries. But the problem is, again, if you pick four breeds, which I think you were kind of thinking, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not unusual. If you're going to throw together a mixed flock, four is not really a big number. No. But you got four different breeds. It's not like they have every breed available every week of their hatching schedule. So now you have to go through all the hatching schedules individually for each breed and go, okay, on this date, they have 42 females left of this breed. And then of breed two, they got 15 females. Oh, wait, no females available in breed three. All right, pick another date. Oh, my gosh. And you have to go through that until you find one that matches all four breeds. Is this what you did the last time we ordered from a hatchery? I do this every time we order from a hatchery, yes. Well, I never even realized how much work this was, so thank you. And I'm going... Just because I make my world look really easy and put together doesn't mean there's not a lot going on behind the curtain. Oh, well, I agree with that. And I just want to say thank you for taking on this project from me. Right? You can take it on? You can do all that work for me? Kind of presumptive, but... Uh, a little bit, but go ahead and say yes now, so it's a contract. If you pick the breeds, I will work out the schedule. All right, you all heard it. It's a contract. <laughs> May not be till next year that we get them, but... That's all right. <laughs> I'm okay with that, as long as I don't have to think about this. 
Well, we found out something else interesting this last week, and that is that my mother actually sometimes listens to this podcast. That uh, sounds simple, but it was kind of like an earth shaker. Yeah. Our, both of our sets of parents, for some reason, don't seem very interested in chickens. I just don't know why. So <laughs> they don't see any reason to listen to this podcast. But once in a while... I'll be talking to my mom and say something like, oh, yeah, we mentioned, you know, Brooke was over and da 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 and, and talked about it on the podcast or that we had the cousins over and we talked about it on the podcast. I guess just after a couple of years of us doing this, she finally sat down and said, hmm, I wonder what all this podcast stuff's about and listened to a little bit of some. So now we're going back like, oh, shoot. Did we ever say anything like <laughs> that she may take offense to? Not on purpose, of course, but now we may have to edit ourselves. Well, you think, why is this so earth-shaking? But again, nobody in our world really has interest in chickens other than us. Uh-huh. We're the weird chicken people. Yeah. And, you know, my mother said before, well, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I want to listen to it. But I'm like, mom, it's not you. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you listen to a chicken podcast if you're not interested in chickens? That's, yeah, don't force yourself. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we just kind of accepted the fact that nobody's listening to it in our family. So when she said... Oh, yeah, I heard that or talk about that. It's like, oh, nuts. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> and I don't think we ever talk bad about people other than Mayor Jackwagon, mm-hmm. for the most part, and some politicians. But other than that, we don't really talk bad about people. So I don't think there's a problem. But it's suddenly you have that moment of, wait, what? <laughs> you start running back through the last 68 episodes going, oh, no, I think we're good. <laughs> You know, when you, we do talk about family members, we never name them. When we talk about them doing silly things, ridiculous things, we never name who it was. Uh-huh. They can probably figure it out, though. <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were garage sailing a couple weeks ago, and you found something very interesting to add to the chicken coop. Yeah, I've had this on my list for a while, and it's a xylophone. I don't know where I saw it, but somewhere, I think it was the chicken playing the piano that I saw online once. And I went, oh, that's so adorable. They like clink clinking and they hear the noise. And you know what else would be good is a xylophone because, you know, they can all just kind of stand in a row and play their little music. And I found one finally. So I did post that on our Facebook page and ask people to try and figure out what we were going to do with it. And of course, it was to put it in the coop. So Don did that last weekend, but he made a little addition uh, along with the xylophone that I was kind of surprised about. We've been talking about putting a chicken swing in there Mm -hmm. for quite a while now, and I just never got around to it. But I thought, well, while I'm here adding the xylophone, let's put the swing together. Yeah. So I just took a little piece of PVC and some rope and hung it up. And the chickens haven't really touched either one. (laughs) Yeah. Been very underwhelming. (laughs) We kind of thought that was going to be the case. So, you know, it's like every time I go out there to collect eggs, I'll go around the side where the xylophone is and I'll tap it with something metal. Like, come on, girls, clink, clink, clink. And they'll look at it and they'll tilt their head. And unless they're putting together beautiful music while we're at work and, you know, swinging to the music on their swing. uh, So far, is a swing and a miss. Well, and speaking of family, you had Brooke over Mm -hmm. while I was putting this stuff in there. And of course, as soon as I'm done... Then Brooke wants to see him use it immediately. Like, come on, I want to see it. Make the chickens use the xylophone. Uh Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it's going to take some patience. They got to explore it. Uh Uh-huh. But Aunt Susie can't let the chickens explore it because Brooke is asking for it. So the Mm -hmm. funniest thing I've seen in weeks is you taking mealworms and trying to hold them against the xylophone (laughs) 
thinking that the chickens will grab it and hit the xylophone and discover their love of music. You know, I... I wish I had my video camera because that would have been on the Facebook page. Yeah, well, guess what else I was thinking of doing to take it a step further? I was thinking of taping the mealworms oh, on the xylophone <laughs> with clear tape so they could see it and be like, oh, I'm going to try and get that worm. And then as they're pecking to try and get through the tape, they'll hit the xylophone and go, wow, this is so much fun. I don't even want to stop. I, I, don't, I haven't done that yet, though. I don't even know where to go with that. Okay, well, I'm going to do it when you're not home then because that, I don't want a video camera on me. That'd be totally embarrassing. <laughs> but if it works, I'll let everybody know. I thought maybe if you just give them time, they'll eventually figure it out. But I go back and forth across the yard many times in the evening and then on the weekends. And I have never heard music coming out of that coop. So maybe we just picked the wrong coop. Maybe they're not a musical breed. Yeah. I might mm -hmm. need to try a different coop. But yeah, our chickens definitely are not Juilliard material. Ugh. And now, the news, news, news. All right, well, in the chicken news today, a company called Memphis Meats held a taste test of its chicken nuggets. And if you're wondering, why is this news? Who cares? It's because the chicken nuggets that they sampled are chicken meat from chickens that have never actually been alive. Wow. I know. That's crazy. Cultured meat. Mmm, sounds delicious. Meat that's grown in a lab. Ah, oh, we knew this was coming. Well, you know, I always tell people in our chicken class that if you go in the store to buy eggs and it says free range chickens, it doesn't mean what you think it means. You know, you're picturing the rolling green hills and the music playing and the chickens playing with the pigs and the goats. And mm -hmm. that's not really what that means when you see it in the store. Well, boy, this is really a departure from that. You know, my chicken definitely did not play in the yard because it never played. Well, it grew up in a lab playing it, with the other non chickens in the lab. Well, it can't play. It has no legs. <laughs> and whatever, you know, we always talk about. Cultured meat can have dreams, Susie. You don't know. Yes, but no legs. Well, the act of growing cultured meat apparently is really easy. All you got to do is take this tiny little sample of meat from a live chicken. Gross. And then extract the stem cells from that sample. And then put the stem cells in a special solution to feed the cells. Then you wait about eight weeks for each cell to multiply into about a trillion cells. And finally you end up with a little strand of muscle fiber that's about an inch long. And then you just take 10,000 of those muscle fibers and weave them into a chicken patty. And that's simple? Yeah, that's the easy, simple process. Easy peasy. Okay, I understand that they're probably doing this partially in response to how most of these chickens are raised in factory farms and everybody's disgusted at that. So, hey, if we just don't have any chickens at all, except the sample ones, then this will make that problem disappear. They say that humane treatment of animals is part of that. Okay. It's also the food security issue and the fact that if you don't, they say, well, if you don't need real chickens to make chicken, then you're always safe. But that seems to fly in the face of the first statement there that you need a live chicken to take the sample from in the first place. Right. So you do need some live chickens. Uh-huh. And so I don't know how that's secure, because if you're worried about the billions of chickens we have getting wiped out, well, how are you going to keep the six alive that you're going to take the samples from every day? 
And if you've only got that small amount, what happens? Yeah, if those get some kind of disease, then you have nothing. And then the whole world is chickenless. And I think chickens are awesome to have around. And then, of course, they throw in the global warming thing, too, that if you didn't have all the chickens out there causing waste and breathing and you wouldn't have global warming. I don't know if it's going to solve any of those problems. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I'm just, you know, there's this show on Netflix. They kind of play with the idea of technology and the unintended consequences of technology and whatnot and how it might affect our lives in the future. Uh Uh-huh. This sounds like one of their shows where you're going to raise all these chickens just for meat uh-huh. that are artificially grown. And so they're not really a chicken, but, you know, then they'll do some weird episode where all these chickens have dreams, but they have no wings or legs to run around and fulfill <laughs> those dreams. Yeah, then that turns into an animal cruelty uh, episode. And then we are at where we are now. <laughs> well, that's another issue is, OK, animal, the, the sort of standards of animal cruelty change over generations. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, really and truly what personally I think of as animal cruelty and what you personally think of as animal cruelty, our grandparents would have went, what? It's a chicken. Yeah, big deal. It wouldn't have affected them in the least. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have cared. Right. But we're getting into an era as a society where we say, if somebody says something you don't like, it's the same as if they just punched you in the face. It's the same thing Mm -hmm. because they hurt your feelings. Right. Well, what's that going to look like in 10 years when it's like, well, you're going to hurt that chicken's feelings. Oh. So I wonder, you say, well, all we need to do is, you know, harvest a little meat from a chicken that's alive. No big deal. It's it's painless. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what happens 20 years from now when they say, I can't believe that's so cruel. You're keeping that chicken alive just to keep poking it with a needle every day and extracting meat from it. That's, that, that, I could see that going that direction. That could be the animal cruelty of tomorrow. Oy, oy, oy. Anyway, I'm fascinated by the fact that this is being done in Silicon Valley. Of course it is. Because I think it would be amazing if Apple bought this company out. Why is that? Well, because I think that could lead to some interesting product integration. For instance, they could develop the iNugget. And what would the iNugget do? Well, imagine like a little chicken tender uh-huh. that like played you music or something. Oh, like MP3s? Like you could eat a chicken nugget and it could sing you a song? Yeah, like hold on, I got to download this playlist of my lunch. Have <laughs> <laughs> chicken nuggets with Wi-Fi. Or you could have like for medical reasons, like, hey, eat these chicken nuggets and there's a little something inside of it that'll give you a checkup. It'll like print something out or send it to your iPhone and say- Like a firmware upgrade. Yes. Yes. Be like, here's what you need to update because your body, (laughs) your system's a little off. Possibilities are endless. Oh, this is weird. (laughs) Well, right now, if you want to be one of the early adopters of this high-tech chicken, Mm -hmm. it's going to cost you because- Right now, one pound of these chicken nuggets cost $9,000. I think I'm going to pass. That's some expensive chicken nuggets. Yeah, and no one yet has talked about how this stuff tastes. That's what I want to know. Well, they say the most common uh, expression from the taste test is, tastes like chicken. You asked for it. Here it is. All right. Well, we recently received a message from Brian in New Jersey. And Brian says, my wife and I are starting a flock of hens and we're looking into the myriad of options for bedding. 
I recently came across recycled cardboard in my searches. What are your thoughts for the best bedding to keep the coop dry and as dust-free as possible? Well, the nice thing about our coops that probably less than 1% of chicken owners can do is we do not have any floors in our coop. They're all open to the ground. So for the last three years, we have had no bedding. It is and a, no worries. It is a wonderful <laughs> thing. But we did try the cardboard bedding back when we did have a floor in our coop. We were surprised we were able to find it really close to where I work. It was like in the same industrial park. I did a search. It's like, oh my gosh, it's right down the street. So yeah, let's give it a try. And it wasn't too long before we went back to the shavings. Yeah, we you got one bag of that stuff. We put it in the coop. And right after that, we went back to shavings. We didn't we didn't try it more than one time. I don't I don't remember exactly why we didn't like it, but we did not like it for some reason. Well, first thing for me, and I bet you can guess what it is, it was more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so cheap me, I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna pay more, it better have a heck of a lot more benefits. We did not find that it was a lot less dusty. No, still very dusty. Uh, you know, that's one of the big bonuses people say is, well, the shavings are so dusty, so cardboard is a lot less. We didn't find that to be true, at least with the product we got. Um, it also wasn't as absorbent for odors or wetness. <laughs> it sounds like a commercial here for like a diaper or something. Uh, but yeah, it didn't didn't really deliver on those promises. So we went back to the shavings. Yeah, to me, the shavings, if I remember right, it's just the shavings seem to be able to deal with moisture and poo. It would kind of grab onto those things better than the cardboard did. Mm -hmm. The cardboard didn't seem to dry as fast as shavings did when it got wet. Yeah, it got kind of mushy. Yeah, I just, I wasn't impressed with it overall. And then the other thing was with the shavings, when some of them got in the yard, you didn't really worry about it. It's like just little shavings of wood and they kind of degrade into the ground. I know that happens the same with cardboard, but it doesn't quite look the same when you drive around the backyard and you've got cardboard laying all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so other people really seem to love it. We just weren't big fans. Now, one thing I've been reading about recently regarding coop bedding, which I'm starting to think is the best option. You know, when people brought this up in the past, I said, I don't know. I just haven't heard enough about it to really say it's better, but... Now, the sources I've been reading on this, it seems like the best bedding material to use is sand. That's really bizarre. Why? I, I don't know. I just don't think of chickens on sand. You always, you know, when you see the what, coop. Chickens can't go to the beach? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. If I saw more chickens at the beach, maybe this wouldn't be so bizarre. Well, we live outside of Sarasota, which has... Arguably the number one or number two beach in the country. Yeah, every year when the list comes out, it's always in the top two. And so we have beautiful beaches here. Mm -hmm. This is the the entire purpose of our tourist industry is people coming to see beaches. Which is why we keep moving further and further away from them. <laughs> <laughs> right. To get away from all the tourists. <laughs> yeah, well, we used to be nine minutes from the beach. Now we're 40 or no. Now we're a half hour from the beach. Yeah, at least. But the thing is... We're so obsessed with the beaches because it's a tourist thing. If you go take your dog to the beach, Ugh. people will lose their minds. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. I mean, it's one thing when you say, listen, we've decided to not make this beach open to dogs. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when people act like 
you must be a serial killer. Yeah. They, they equate those things together. Like, if you brought a dog to the beach, you are like a serial killer. Because why on earth? It's like animal cruelty. Why would a doggy want to go to the beach? Like, uh-huh. why wouldn't a dog want to go to the beach? So now you're saying we should leave the dog at home and bring the chicken? I'm thinking we should bring a flock of chickens to the beach. That would be awesome. They could play with the seagulls. There is no sign that says no chickens on the beach. That is very true. We can get there on a technicality. All right. So what are the benefits of using sand over something like shavings? Well, for one thing, sand is a lot cleaner overall than any of the other bedding options. Hmm. It doesn't create a hospitable environment for all the bacteria and disease agents and all that stuff that you really don't want around your birds. Really? Well, the shavings and straw and hay and even the cardboard, they help create a wet environment. Oh, yeah. A warm environment, which are the two things that all those little nasty buggers like the best. Mm-hmm. And sand doesn't do any of those things. Sand doesn't hang on to heat and it doesn't hang on to moisture. It just, the moisture goes right through it. It purges the moisture. Therefore, it's a really hard place for those things to grow. Well, that's cool. Now, you are you know what my next question is going to be, right? Cha-ching. Yeah. How expensive is this stuff? Because we went to get filter sand for our little above ground pool <laughs> And I got to tell you, I was shopping price. Even though it was only like five pounds of sand, that stuff gets expensive. Yes, sand is more expensive to begin with, but you got to keep in mind that you're going to buy sand pretty much one time. Okay. Now, every year you might have to get a little bit more just to top it off because you're going to lose some to the chickens flinging it out or whatever, but not much. Okay. But it's kind of an initial price and then you're pretty much done as opposed to with shavings and cardboard and every other type of bedding material, you are going back to buy it over and over and over again. So in the long run, it's actually cheaper. You said that you don't lose a lot, but what do you do with all the poo? You scoop it out. Like Every a- once in a while you go in there and just scoop it out, kind of like kitty litter. Oh, that's interesting. Because once the chickens drop the poop into the sand, it doesn't have to be there very long before. It's completely covered in sand and now it's just a clump. Uh It's not a sticky clump anymore because every sticky part of the poo is now covered in sand, so it can't stick to things. So when your chickens go walking through, they don't pick up the poop of all the other chickens. And sand is a good um, abrasive, too. Matter of fact, sand is one of the best things you can use for their dust baths. So now you have a giant dust bathing bin, which is your coop. The entire thing is a dust bathing bin. So I assume then with the sand coating the poo that... The smell would be reduced, maybe? Oh, no, it stinks like crazy. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about the smell component. I haven't haven't read anything on that. See, that would be what I would wonder about. Like, how does the smell go down? Because that's one of the biggest things about the coops. It's like, they stink. Um, And then if they're dust bathing in their own sand, are they throwing that poop on themselves? Well, I'm sure there's going to be poop that gets around. But see, it's not poop like you think of. It's so coated with sand, it's just now a clump of sand Mm. that maybe has a gooey poo center but (laughs) it hardens out and it becomes really nothing it's not you know what i mean yeah that that makes sense because it it because they do their shavings you know if you have shavings they're flicking the shavings around they're flinging poo at each other and the sand is going to pull the moisture out of the poo so yeah that i could see that that's interesting well here's one thing you're gonna like is the fact that because sand is a good dust bathing thing i mean it's just the abrasiveness of the sand is a good cleaner Mm-hmm. The fact that the chickens are walking through it all the time helps keep their feet clean. 
Oh, that would be a dream. Which means they aren't walking with the poo-covered feet onto the eggs that Louise just laid in the box when they go in to lay their egg. Yeah, that is one of my biggest frustrations. And especially when we're getting ready for a chicken class. Okay, we clean our chickens. We don't give them a bath every time before the class, but I'll kind of scrub their feet if they got some chunky poo on it or something the night before. And we'll be like, okay, girls, in the morning, you're going to be, you know, the show is on and everybody's going to be handling you. So you look so pretty and, you know, give them a nice little pep talk. Undoubtedly, in the morning, we get up, we go to get the chickens to put them in their holding cages for the class. And right when I walk in, like every single one of them will find that big, fresh, wet piece of poo and walk right through it get on all their feet and then I go grab it and then I get it on my hands and my pants. Oh my gosh. That would really solve that problem. Yeah, I think it would. Solves another problem that I am interested in is the fact that, you know, we don't set up a, a, a regular dust bathing bin for our chickens. We just let them out all the time. Uh-huh. And when they're out, they go find a spot to dust bathe in in the yard. Right. Well, over the course of four years, this has led to a lot of little holes being dug in the yard here and there and everywhere else. And I'm getting tired of trying to find them and fill them in. Or I find them when I'm riding on the lawnmower at 10 miles an hour and it almost knocks my teeth out. Uh, you know, I've started um, collecting eggs in the evening after it gets dark. I don't know why. It's getting dark later now. But for some reason, it's always 830 and I'm like, oh, I got to go collect the eggs. Most of the time, I don't go out there with a flashlight because I know where the coop is. But... I can't tell you how many times I've almost twisted my ankle in a hole. So now I bring my <laughs> flashlight and I walk with my head down to the ground. Like, yeah, those holes drive me nuts. And the last time we filled holes, we let the barred rocks out. They went to dust bathe in the hole we just filled and kicked all the dirt out of that hole. Little stinkers. So even though we don't use bedding materials because all our coops are open floored, I'm kind of thinking it might be interesting to experiment with like, if we're going to do this layers coop, uh-huh. maybe I'll build a coop that does hold sand. Okay. And give it a try because it maybe has some benefits even to having an open floor. Now, the drawback is sand is very heavy. Right. I mean, you'd probably have to put a heck of a lot of supports to hold that stuff, right? Well, I thought, yeah, so what? You, I mean, we have all chicken tractors. But I thought, yeah, so what? So you're going to, you know, reinforce it a little bit? But then I started doing the math. Mm-hmm. Four inches of sand. If you have four chickens, you need 16 square feet of space in the coop. So if you have 16 square feet of space, four inches deep, that amount of sand is 568 pounds. Wow, that, that kind of makes your movable coop a little less movable. Yeah, because that weighs as much as the entire rest of the chicken tractor. Oh my gosh. So what do you do? I don't know. I'm going to have to do some more figuring here i gotta figure out how deep you need the sand i don't know that yet mm-hmm. I, I was thinking four inches because shavings are about you know six inches five six inches you put in there i was thinking sand doesn't need to be as deep but i don't know even if you go down to three inches still you're talking about 400 pounds oh my gosh well that would work great with a stationary coop yeah really good for a stationary coop but for a chicken tractor, it might be kind of tough i don't know i gotta think about that especially with my new idea of how i want to use pvc to build the coop, I don't know how much PVC is going to is going to be required to hold that much. I don't mm-hmm. know. I got to figure that out. Well, and then if you want to use sand, you can't just go out and use like pool filter sand, right? Well, don't use pool filter sand because that's the most expensive there is. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, one thing is you want to be selective about what sand you use if you want to go this route. Uh-huh. You're not looking for the prettiest sand they make. You're not looking for play box, you know, the little sandbox sand. You're not looking for that. You're not looking for the filter sand. Or like we can't go to the beach in the middle of the night and take that sand. I mean, that's really nice sand. Yeah. Don't go dig buckets of sand out of off a of Siesta Key because that's the wrong kind of sand. Okay. Uh, what you're looking for is, uh, you know, the, the name changes depending where you go. Sometimes they call it construction sand. Um, it just depends on where you go. But you go down to your local, um, what's that called? Landscape supply. Yeah. Go down to your local landscape supply store. And just describe for them that you want natural sand. You don't want that stuff that they crush up mechanically. A lot of it, they just take, you know, a certain kind of rock and they just crush it with machines to make sand. You don't want that. You want natural sand and you want the stuff that has uh, different size chunks to it. You know, you don't want it all the same refined level. You want different size material in there. Well, I could see a benefit to that for the chicken's themselves if they're pecking around in it right i mean you got those bigger size pieces of if they consume it yeah if they consume it it's no big deal because they need some of that for their gizzard in order to crush up and help them digest materials that are a little harder than others so and people are going to say like well sand isn't that dusty but it's not it is a little bit dusty for sure but nothing compared to Wood shavings, the cardboard, everything else. All that stuff is dusty. Mm -hmm. Sand is probably the least of all those. So oh, very interesting option. Couple reasons to consider sand. Give it a give it a thought. Well, and if anybody out there is actually using sand, let us know how it goes. Because, you know, we've definitely heard a lot about cardboard and shavings. We've experienced both of those ourselves, but we haven't had the experience with sand and are pretty curious about it. Okay, well, we got a really, really nice review on iTunes from SoCal Chickens. And she says, fun, informative, and well-produced. All about raising chickens and the highs and lows that come along with it. Don and Susie's passion for chickens and crafting a quality podcast makes this one a winner. A-plus all the way. Well, SoCal Chickens, thank you so much for that review. That was really, really nice. And, you know, for that review, I'll give you an A-plus right back at you. <laughs> All right, before we get back to your questions, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping on Amazon this week, consider going to our website first at onlinechickenschool.com and clicking on the Amazon link over there. And it's going to take you to the same Amazon site that you know and love, and you're going to pay the exact same price for the things you buy, but Amazon will give us a little bit of a commission, and this really helps us pay some of the podcasting bills. So if you like the show and you want to help us keep it up, just go to onlinechickenschool.com and click on the Amazon link to make all your Amazon purchases. Some of you do this on a regular basis, and you're really great people. Thank you so much. There they go again. More shameless self-promotion. Okay, our last question today comes from Dana through our Facebook page. And Dana says, hey, Don and Susie, first I'd like to say that I'm so excited that you guys are back. When I got the little alert on my podcast app, I immediately plugged in my headphones. As chick season is approaching, I have my order in with a local farm for a few chicks again. We're expecting them to hatch in about a week and a half. To my surprise, this week I was gifted two ducklings. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on keeping them in the same brooder as well as keeping them in the same run. I don't plan on having them share a coop, however, since we are moving onto the paddock system in our yard. It would be awesome if they could share a run. 
Okay, well, we need to start by saying that we have never, ever raised ducks. Although Susie has wanted to. I was just going to say, I really want ducks. We just either, I don't know if we're going to ever, but we just haven't gotten around to it yet. So the answers we have are not based on our own experience, but rather just on research we've done. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, you'll find that there are quite a few people who do keep chickens and ducks together. Right. So it can be done, but it's just going to take some extra effort. It's going to be more work than just keeping chickens by themselves or keeping ducks by themselves. Mm-hmm. And mainly, this revolves around issues of what they eat. So, for instance, when the birds are young, your chickens are going to be on a medicated chicken feed. But the medicated chicken feed can actually kill your young ducklings. Not something you want. So That's duck- what we call a bad outcome. <laughs> yeah. The reason it tends to kill ducklings is because ducks are going to eat a lot more feed than chickens. So they actually overdose on the amprolium, which is the medication in the medicated feed. So one thing you could do to solve that problem is to not use medicated feed for your chickens. Because that way you aren't giving the ducks the amprolium so they can eat the chick feed that's not medicated. They can eat that all day long. is no problem. Yeah, but after the episode we did on coccidiosis, we warned people um, and strongly suggested that they use medicated feed. So that presents a real dilemma. <laughs> yeah. Now, one option is you could vaccinate the baby chicks And therefore, they'll get their coccidiosis protection from that. And then you wouldn't have to use medicated feed. You'd use regular feed. But if vaccination is not an option for you, well, now you have a really serious dilemma on your hands. So you're either going to have to say, I'm going to give my young chickens a greater chance of getting coccidiosis by not using the medicated feed. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to have to take the chance of poisoning your ducks by giving them too much medication that's in the medicated feed. Oh, that sounds like quite a dilemma. Now, once they get off of the medicated feed, you know, once you get to sort of 16 weeks or so, or once you switch into the layer feed, it becomes a little easier to keep the two together, but it still takes a little bit of work. Okay. For one thing, the ducks can eat the layer feed just fine, but layer feed has too much calcium for ducks. So the way you have to manage that is give the ducks something else to eat so that they aren't eating solely the layer feed, which will give them too much calcium. So in other words... Give them something else to eat that doesn't have calcium, and it'll sort of water down the calcium they're getting from the layer feed. So do you mix that in the feed, or do you just have it off to the side like you do oyster shell for your chickens? No, you can keep it off to the side. Uh, What I've seen recommended is just wheat. Provide wheat for them, and then the ducks will actually alternate between the wheat, which they really like, and the layer feed, Hmm. and they'll sort of balance it out. You know, they won't eat all of one or all the other. They'll sort of take a variety of the two, and therefore they're getting no calcium in the wheat, and they're getting a lot of calcium in the layer feed, but it'll sort of balance out, and it'll be fine for them. Okay, I can see a problem with having a separate little uh, tub of wheat. You know what that is? A tub? A tub. (laughs) I do know what a tub is. No, I mean, having the wheat out there, you know them chickens are going to go nuts for it. I mean, you put anything extra in a coop, they're going to be like, "Mm, can I eat it? (laughs) I bet they even did that with the xylophone. Yes, they will. And that's part of the problem is if you put wheat out there, the chickens will go crazy for that stuff. Uh 
but by eating a lot of wheat, they aren't eating as much of their layer feed, and now they won't get enough protein to help them keep laying eggs. Oh my gosh. It's sounding more and more like this is going to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> I guess. That's the thing is it's not impossible. It's just a little bit more work. You're trying to give the ducks another feed option that'll make sure they don't get too much calcium, but uh, the feed option that won't make the chickens lose the protein that they need to keep laying eggs. Now, fortunately, you don't have to figure this out on your own because I read what I think is a very clever, clever solution. Right. You found this idea that if you put wheat in a bowl of water, that wheat is going to sink to the bottom of the bowl. Well, ducks love to dunk their heads under the water and they're going to retrieve it from the bottom of the bowl, whereas the chickens won't stick their head in the water, so they won't eat the wheat. How smart is that? I think that's pretty darn clever. Uh-huh. The blog that I read this idea from mm -hmm. showed a photograph of the bowl of water, not super deep, it's just a bowl, but it's got all the little wheat pellets at the bottom and like three chickens standing there just staring because they could see it at the bottom <sighs> and they want it, but they aren't willing to stick their head in the water. So they're just sitting there really frustrated going, I want that wheat down there. Aww, the poor chickens. Okay, so the feed is definitely the big issue that we're talking about for chickens and ducks. There's another more minor issue like the water where you've got uh, maybe a chicken nipple that you're using for your chickens. Ducks aren't going to use that. They need to scoop water. So you have your chicken nipple hanging there. It's not going to get dirty because of the ducks. The ducks aren't going to use it. That's not a problem for your chickens. You will have to provide something for the ducks to drink out of. But then you get in the problem of, well, you don't want it too deep because then your chickens can drown in it. <laughs> so there's a couple little things with water you have to work out. But that doesn't seem to be as big an issue as the feed. You get the feed worked out. All the other stuff, um, you know, will come. Okay, well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going to iTunes and giving us a really nice rating over there. Also, tell a friend and get them listening. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 69. Well, that's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.